Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we have added question box to hear our community's thoughts on our episodes, polls to ask questions on what they think, and so much more. We highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Hey everyone, estás escuchando a Su Violento Su Macabro Podcast. Yo soy Ali. Y yo soy Dee. Y hoy Dee les contará de un caso que sucedió en Brasil. El homicidio apasional se determina como un crimen causado por sentimientos como los celos, la ira y el desengaño. Estos se refieren a que los celos de una persona control, controladora se convierten en enojo hasta el punto de matar. En el caso de hoy, hablaremos sobre un crimen que ocurrió en Manaus, Brasil, donde una concursante de Miss Brasil se convirtió en una víctima más del feminicidio hacia, la, hacia las manos de un hombre que sentía que tenía derecho de controlar la vida de su pareja. Este es el caso del feminicidio de Kimberly Karen Mota de Oliveras, más conocida como Miss Manaus de las Amazonas. Advertencia. La información de este caso puede ser desencadenante para algunos. Tenga en cuenta que algunos de estos casos pueden involucrar menores de edad, abuso, violación o violencia. Escuchen con precaución. Warning. The information on this case can be triggering to some. Please be advised that some of these cases may involve children, abuse, rape, and violence. Listen with caution. Kimberly Karen Mota de Olivero nació en febrero 26 del 1998 en Manicor, parte de las Amazonas, en Brasil. Después de terminar sus estudios de enfermería, Kimberly se mudó a Manuas para seguir estudiando odontología y continuar su carrera como modelo. Cuando se mudó a Manao, su tío Henry Mota, el hermano de su mamá, la dejó quedarse en su casa para que terminara sus estudios. 
durante su tiempo en Manao quiso seguir en los pasos de su mamá. Su mamá en su juventud era Miss, Miss no, es, no era Miss Universo, más bien era Miss Brasil. Because you know it's very popular like within like the South American region to you know go into like Miss Belleza, Miss Universo, whatever. So she wanted to follow in her mother's footsteps when it came to that. En el 2019 entró a concurso de Miss Brasil, donde repre representó su ciudad de Manicor. She ended up reaching top three of the whole contest, which nice. is pretty good for her because yeah. usually. They either fall out towards the like the beginning of, of the contest, but she ended up reaching the top 10, which is by far the best thing that she could do, um, especially representing her small town in the in Las Amazonas. This encouraged it encouraged her to go ahead and apply for um, Miss Brazil 2020 because she had faith that based on how well she did in 2019, she was eventually going to win 2020. The boost of confidence. Yeah. yeah. So she started working on her, on like her questions and her vestuario and, and all of that, which it really encouraged her to, to go ahead and sign up for 2020. A principios del 2020, Kimberly conoció a un, a un prometido. Se llamaba Rafael Fernández Rodríguez, un analista de judicial que tenía 31 años. So if you do the calculations... She was born in 1998. <laughs> and if you think about it, in 2020, she was actually 22 years old. So they met in 2020, in the beginning of 2020, like around January. He was already 31 and she was just 22. So they had like an age gap, almost 10 years of an age yeah. gap. He also was divorced, recently divorced. And um, he had moved to um, to the city de Manaus from San Paulo. Aunque Kimberly no quería entrar a una relación, Rafael empezó a convencerla en salir con él. Le compraba cositas, like, he, since he had a really good paint job, le compraba, like, detalles, like flowers or, like, little items, like, anything that would capture her attention. She wasn't really a fan of it. She kind of just blew it off. But then he started messaging her on Instagram. He found her on Instagram, started messaging her. And then somehow he found her phone number and started texting her like messages constantly to the point that she was like, fine, I'll go out with you. And they ended up going on a date. And then soon after that, they got in a relationship together. Hicieron oficial su compromiso en mayo. Viene siendo que ya llevaban un tiempo hablando. Y ya llevaban como unas semanas dating and stuff. So they, they started dating like around me. Before this, um, she actually had told her friends that she didn't want to date anybody. She just wanted to live her life. She was 22. She was like, she wanted to be Miss Brazil. She wanted to go ahead and get further in life. She didn't want any compromisos. But she kind of almost felt forced to get into this, this relationship. Las amigas de Kimberly describen la relación como si fuera muy caótica. O sea, desde el comienzo, um, veían que Rafael estaba enamoradísima de ella. Like, he was in love with her from the moment he met her. Y resulta que Rafael had followed Kimberly way before she ever met him. 
he followed her stalker. on Instagram. Yes. Like, this is stalker moves, like... Yeah. <laughs> the messaging, the finding the number, yeah. everything. And I, and I completely forgot to mention this, but they actually met at a nightclub. She was out with her friends. They met at a nightclub. She was a model, so she was doing yeah. modeling yeah. stuff. And, like, even, like, you know how they have, like, promotions where, like, a model would go in? And yeah, that's so what she would do. She would do that. And um, Rafael was, like, in love with her. But his, her friends ended up finding out that he had followed her way before they met at that nightclub. So they were like, okay, there's something weird about this guy, but, you know, whatever. Like, it wasn't a coincidence <laughs> that he ended up at the same nightclub. Exactly. Um, pero también notaban que Rafael era muy celoso y era muy controlador. Um, peleaban mucho por esas razones, de que era muy celoso y era... He was trying to control her. Um, ella, él decía que él solo la quería para ella, que ella, él no quería que ella hablara con hombres y estaba bien obsesionado con the fact that she was so beautiful. He's like, she's so beautiful, I don't want her to talk to any men. Like, that's my girlfriend. Like, I don't want him, like, her to talk to anybody. Y también decía que ella, él se quería casar con ella. Y él tenía, quería tener hijos con ella. So he was obsessed with that idea of being with her and marrying her and um, having kids with her. Mind you, he's already 31 and she's barely 22. Yeah, she's just starting her career and... Exactly. I don't think, I mean, from the sounds of it, of it, it doesn't seem like that's what she was, Yeah, what she wanted. Yeah. So, en la noche de su, su, de su desaparición, ella había, le había dicho a una amiga que ella ya no quería estar con él, que en verdad no estaba enamorada de él, y que más bien se sentía forzada de estar con él, y que ella no quería seguir con la relación, que ella no le interesaba estar con él. Um, even though, you know, they, they were dating and stuff, she just didn't want to be with him, especially the way he was, like his characteristics. He, she just didn't like that. <clears throat> Pero cada vez que se peleaban y she would threaten the idea of breaking up, Rafael le rogaba que no, que no se separaran, que él amaba, que él quería estar con ella. Mind you, they were only dating for two months. Like, they were officially a couple for two months, and he was already saying that he loved her, that, like, that she was like the love of her life and everything in two months. That's fast. Mm-hmm. El, el tenía un amor obsesivo hacia yeah. ella. Mm-hmm. And like it got to the point that gay. everybody saw the red flags, but they were just waiting for her to, you know, to stop it, basically. El 10 de mayo era el Día de las Madres, donde ella subió una foto a su perfil de Instagram dedicado a su mamá. Vivían en diferentes ciudades. Ella quería, she wanted to acknowledge her mom on Mother's Day. Y la felicitó on her Instagram y le hizo una llamada y le dijo felicidades mamá, felicidad de las madres. Y she kind of just told her briefly what she was going to do that day. Que resulta ser que se levantó, fue a hacer ejercicio con su tío como siempre lo hace. They would go on a run around, you know, the, the city. Y luego iba a ir a la casa de su amiga y iba a regresar a casa. Ese era su plan. Después de llegar a casa, Kimberly explicó, le explicó a su tío que iba a ir a una casa de su amiga. That they were going to go. And there's even a video of her and her friend doing a TikTok. It was like right when TikTok was blowing up. And during this time, she had gone to her friend's house and they were doing TikToks and funny videos that her friend actually had posted. A las 10 de la noche, Kimberly le mandó un texto a su tío diciéndole, Tío, ¿me puedes dejar la puerta abierta? 
se me olvidaron mis llaves. So, the tío was like, okay, fine. He left the door open and waited up for her to come home. But since, you know, she was taking long, he ended up falling asleep. On May 11th, Henry, the tío de Kimberly, went to her room to check on her and realized that she wasn't there. He thought it was odd because she's not the type of person that would not come home. He was like, well, you know, she might have stayed late with her friend or had left with Rafael. I'm going to call her cell phone and, you know, just see if she's okay. So he called her and called her. She didn't answer the phone. So after that, Henry began calling Rafael's phone. No answers. So he decided to go to Rafael's apartment and see if she was there. He goes up to the apartment. He knocks on the door. No response. He decides to stop at, like, his neighbor's apartments and start asking if they've seen Rafael or if he if they've seen his niece. And everybody says, we don't know. We haven't seen them. We haven't seen anybody get out of that apartment all day. So he ends up going to the police station and um, putting a, a missing person missing person report for both of them because nobody knew where they were at. However, the police declared that since they were both adults... They couldn't be filing a report like that because they're adults. They could have left and not told anybody. So they said they had to wait and continue calling and seeing if anybody shows up. But Henry had a bad feeling that it's unlike Kimberly to just not answer her phone or not communicate with him or her, or his, or her mother or come home in general. So he ended up telling his mom, I mean her mom, Hey, she didn't come home. Um, I filed a report, but they won't accept it. They said she's an adult, that she would probably run away with Rafael, and I can't report it. So I feel like we need to start posting about it and see if, if we can get attention and um, go look for her. So him, the mom, and the rest of uh, his followers and family members started posting pictures of Rafael and um, Kimberly all over social media, trying to get the attention of the authorities in order for them to kind of accept the fact that there was two missing people. Después de agarrar la atención de las autoridades durante, la, durante el 11 de mayo, eh, la policía empezó a tomar el caso en serio. Fueron a la, al apartamento de Rafael y empezaron a tocar. Nadie contestó. Entonces hablaron con el papá de Rafael, que les dio permiso de entrar al apartamento. Cuando azotaron la puerta, encontraron el cuerpo de Kimberly en el piso, llena de sangre. Oh, man. Empezaron a buscar durante todo el apartamento a ver qué encontraban y a ver si Rafael estaba allí. Pero no se encontraba por el apartamento. Después de analizar el cuerpo de Kimberly, se enteraron que tenía una puñalada en el estómago y en eh, la garganta. Después de recorrer el apartamento, encontraron el cuchillo en el balcón del apartamento. También tengo que aclarar que el cuerpo de Kimberly estaba medio desnudo. So, she was half naked when they found her body. It was surrounded by blood and they found footsteps around the blood of, of like, shoes that were, like, heading out the door. Después de que ver que no encontraban a Rafael, empezaron a 
connecting the dots and saying, it must have been Rafael that did it. En la navaja encontraron sangre de Kimberly y las huellas de Rafael. Y el, la sangre que había de los zapatos era el mismo calzado de, de Rafael, de su zapato. That was him. So, was tenían claro de que era él. Yeah. En ese momento, la policía empezó a buscar a Rafael. Ya no pusieron que fuera un hombre perdido, sino un hombre que estaba en la fuga por homicidio de su novia. Cuando vieron las cámaras de seguridad, vieron que a las 10.50 de la, de la noche del 10 de mayo, Kimberly y Rafael, Rafael entraron por el elevador al apartamento de Rafael. Pero a eso de las una y media de la madrugada, Rafael se ve saliendo del apartamento al elevador sin Kimberly. La policía empezó a pensar que él quería irse a la frontera entre Brasil y Venezuela para escapar. Explicaron que Rafael quiso entrar a Venezuela y a lo mejor ir a España, donde tenía familiares y amigos. Y él iba a ese rumbo para despistar a la policía para que no lo encontraran. El 13 de mayo, they found Rafael's white body on the highway, tumbled down in a ditch. According to surveillance cameras, they noticed that the car was going over 100 miles and lost control when it hit a curve and just tumbled down to a ditch. During the time, Rafael hitched a ride on a trailer truck to the nearby city, where he then took a taxi to go to the bank, caught by surveillance camera of the bank, taking out money and getting into that taxi. He then took another taxi to Bacaraima, the border between Venezuela and Brazil. Due to the pandemic, the Boliv Bolivian National Guard denied the entry to the country. During this time, he decided to go back to the forest of Bacarain and, and rent a little hut, like a make makeshift hut, and um, hire a few teenagers to protect the surrounding area of the hut. And it said, sounds like so, like he planned everything. He yeah. had an idea for everything. Exactly. So he said that he hired these teens to protect anybody from entering the hut. They were there, like they were responsible to be there um, on alert 24 hours a day. So he said, so if one of you is sleeping, another person's coming in. So he made sure to pay them off in order to protect him, basically. Yeah. These teenagers also had no idea he was a fugitive. And nobody ever told him why he was there. They just knew that he, they had to protect him. On May 15, after receiving an anonymous tip um, of his whereabouts, the authorities tried to barge into the hut and realized that the teens were armed with machetes and ready to fight. Authorities began to explain why they were looking for Rafael and how he was one of he was on the run for killing his girlfriend. They entered a trade like a fair trade um, in order for them to not get, you know, go to jail for, for what they were doing. And um, they would give him Rafael. Like they're like, we need an even trade. We don't need any, you know, accusations. We don't want any problems. So. so you could take the guy, but don't take us to jail, basically. Yeah. Which, you know, was a fair trade. So that's when, on May 15th, Rafael was arrested and taken to jail for the murder of Kimberly. Good. Mm-hmm. Definitely. In custody, Rafael confessed to the murder of Kimberly. After he picked up, he says that after he picked up Kimberly and took her into his apartment, they were, they were fine. They hadn't argued. 
They haven't gotten into any conflictations or anything. And, you know, they were just relaxing for the night. He then explains that after a while, Kimberly had told him, I'm going to go take a shower. So she goes off, goes take a shower, and he gets her phone. He opens the phone and starts scrolling through her phone, opening every single messaging app. Whether it's her Instagram, her WhatsApp, for something. to Facebook. Yeah. He went through everything. And he found a message where Kimberly was talking to a guy. But they never like explained if it was like a flirtatious message or anything. They just know it was a message with a guy. That enraged him. So he went off to find a weapon. He went to the kitchen, grabbed a kitchen knife, and hid it under his pillow. And then he just waited until Kimberly got out of the shower, dried off, changed, and get into the bed. As soon as she was laying there, he grabbed the knife and stabbed her in her most vulnerable state, which was laying down, about to go to sleep. He couldn't defend herself. Exactly. He explained that he was planning to take the body and stuff her into like a suitcase or something. And take her out of the apartment. But he later on had a change of heart and decided to leave her there. He also, based on the investigation, the police said that he turned on the AC to its lowest setting to pretty much um, eliminate any sort of odor for decomposition. Mm, yeah. So, decomposition. Sorry. He was thinking that they, were, they weren't going to find the body exactly. for days. Yeah. And so he pretty much thought, if we if I leave and nobody comes into this apartment, they probably won't find her body and they'll think that we ran away. So he was thinking in advance. But that uncle. Yeah. Thank God for Persistent. that uncle. Exactly. He said that he then fled the city. And while he was on the run, he called his dad. And confess his crime to him. Yes. What? Mm-hmm. He said that he confessed his crime. But they said that this this had happened during the time that they had opened. Like, it, it, they first opened the apartment. Oh, so dad didn't know no. when they asked for permission. Yeah. Okay. So they opened the, you know, the apartment. And um, after that, the dad had no idea. The son, the son had called explain what he did and then the dad actually told him you need to turn yourself in you did something wrong you have to pay for your crimes then he said i'm just gonna run away i'm gonna go to spain and they'll never find me there so he already had a plan of what he wanted to do but the dad kept being persistent and telling him to you know turn himself do the in. right thing exactly sadly Shortly after he was caught and his face was blasted through the media, Rafael's mother, who had already separated from her from his father when Rafael was a child, said that she found out that Rafael's father actually committed suicide right after he was caught because he couldn't take the fact that his son his did a son crime. Did this. Wow. So but also, to put matters in, in worse conditions, the mother herself was battling cancer. 
and it, she was in her terminal stage. So basically, she had to live the last few days of her life with knowing this, with having the death of her ex husband and the death, I mean, and the conviction of her son. Wow. Yeah. And it only gets worse from here. She also mentioned that she was hesitant to tell Rafael what her what his father had done to himself because she was scared that he was going to also commit suicide once he found out that what his father had done. During the trial on October 9th in 2020, the trial began where Rafael's lawyers um, kind of told the court he's mentally unstable and he needed to get an evaluation. The court asked for Rafael to be evaluated, and the medical records determined that Rafael was mentally capable of standing trial. On October 27, the Amazon Court of Justice sentenced Rafael to 14 years of prison due to the feminicide of Kimberly. Let's talk about it. It's 14 years. 14 years. 14. People go to jail for, like, way bigger sentences for doing minor crimes and this person killed the woman and goes to jail for 14 years and he tried to run away Mm -hmm. and they give him 14 years Mm -hmm. exactly to the to this day rafael denies killing kimberly because of jealousy he declares that he killed her because she lied to him oh come on yeah exactly exactly the same feelings that i had the court mentioned that this crime was out of passion predetermined death like he didn't premeditate it Oh, okay. So they said, mm-hmm. yeah. So they said this was a crime passion. It was he did it on the moment. He did. He wasn't thinking about it. He didn't plan it beforehand before he did this. However, he had the time to think about it. Yeah. Grab a knife, hide it, then stab her, then run away. It was planned. Exactly. Yeah. He knew what he was gonna do. Oh yeah. During this he thought too quick. Exactly. Yeah. During this trial. His wife even took this to end. And the wife, the ex-wife, said he was... One of the reasons we got the divorce was because he was controlling. Mm -hmm. And he was very obsessive and very jealous. Um, But he was never violent towards me. So. So basically he had a pattern way before he even met her. Yeah. But I feel like she kind of pushed him into getting really obsessed not like really she pushed him but like he just became that way and because she was like a miss brazil basically he felt like he needed to do something you know just to keep her but exactly sadly on october 29 hours after rafael was sentenced kimberly's brother announced to the court that his mother had passed away from leukemia he declared that after the death of his sister, her condition declined and was bedridden in the hospital for her final days. Wait, so Kimberly's mom also had cancer? Mm-hmm. She was, um, the court also analyzed that the mother was actually Zoom calling into the meetings, um, video meetings mm-hmm. from her hospital bed in, like, in her final days. Oh, so she literally okay. hold off long enough to hear the sentencing of Kimberly's murderer before she ended up passing away. And the fact that this whole case um, was happening really took a toll on her health. 
Yeah. So. I mean, finding out someone murder- murdered your daughter. Yeah. Oh, Definitely. Man. Um, y este fue el feminicidio de Kimberly Karen Mota de Olivero. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say. That was, yeah, that was a lot. That was a lot. A lot that happened inside even like the family. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was tragedy after tragedy yeah. after tragedy after tragedy, you know? And it was, it, the sad part is that she had a bright future. She did. Because she wanted to have so many careers. She was a nurse. She wanted to go into dentistry. She wanted to be Miss Universal. Like, she want, She was modeling. And um, she still wanted to do a lot more with her career. Yeah, she was motivated. Yeah, she was motivated to do it. And, and her mom and her siblings would say that she was a very uh, intelligent student. And she was always very motivated and um, wanted to do a lot with her life before Rafael came in and completely ruined her her life by killing her and um, murdering her for stupid message that she had with somebody. Era un manipulador. Yeah. He was very controlling Yeah, very. Mm -hmm. He had to control her. He had to take the power back into the relationship. Yeah. And it was just because he was, like, obsessed with how beautiful she was and how he, she finally gave him an opportunity, even though she kind of was, like, almost forced into it. Yeah. Because she really didn't even want to date him, you know? I mean, with all these, like, feminicidios, it's always the same thing, where we're, where it's kind of tragic that a woman's life or a female or a girl's life is being taken away by somebody else. Um, and it's a little bit more painful, especially when it comes to, like partners because it happens too often like way too often yeah and um and sometimes it's like you enter a relationship expecting it to be nice and beautiful yeah, to be and peaceful. Great. And yeah and this happens and then this happens yeah. where it, it, you really can't do anything like regardless of what you do like put a restraining order or like you know do anything any of those things wow. Abusers find ways. Yeah, they always find ways to, to, you know, to get their revenge, I guess. Yeah. And it's always, I I think one comment that I hear or that I see is, ¿Por qué no lo dejó? Why didn't she get out of that relationship? Why, ¿Por qué aguantó? And it's like, you don't know how it is to live or to be in a relationship with someone who's controlling and manipulative. I agree with you that. You don't understand. Yeah. It's not easy. No, it's not because it's I feel like we all we all have our we all have our own relationship. Um and um even like for instance people that are in domestic violence situations, they feel like they're caged, you know? They feel like they can't move and they can't leave. Um and regardless of how much help they have, it's it's based on their own personal strength and their own personal will to get out of it. And um, even in these situations, like, yeah, she probably, like, broke up with him that night and he went into a fit of rage. Like, but you can't really expect anything out of it. And like you said, like, abusers at the end of the day find a way. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. I mean, that was two years ago. Yeah, uh, About to be yeah. two years. About to be two years, yeah. He has 12 years left yeah. in prison. Mm-hmm. So by the time he's like 40, 
probably like 46 will be out. Yeah, I think 46, yeah. It's sad because a lot of these cases don't get a higher sentence. When, like, to me, it's like, yeah, like, 14 years is enough for a life that he took. Like, that's that's not fair. She didn't want to be killed. He killed her for the most stupidest reason, too. And also the fact that he even denies even killing her for jealousy. It's like he can't even own up to his own mistake. He's still in that um, delusion of, like, she lied to me. I did it because she lied to me. It's uh-huh. not because... I was jealous because she lied. Well, people who are abusers, they always find ways to blame the victim. Mm-hmm. It's like, I do this because you made me. You did this. So this is why I'm reacting this way. So yeah. I'm justified. Yeah. That's that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. It's like, sorry, but that's your own actions. Yeah. Um, that was a difficult case. Um, it was... By far, I think, one of the most intense cases that I've uh, done recently. Um, And uh, I want to... Well, we want to hear your opinions on it. We want to know how you uh, think this whole case unfolded. Do you think he should get a higher sentence? Uh, Do you think he got a fair sentence? Um, We'll have a a poll on our Spotify. And um, a question where you can leave your comments in there. Um, also on Spotify and uh, yeah uh, we want to hear from you guys and if you have uh, questions or want to talk about it we also have our social media platforms where you can um, send us messages and uh, talk to us through there Uh, we promise we'll reply (laughs) Uh, might might be a little bit you know late but we'll reply Um, uh, you can follow us on our social media uh, platforms on Instagram Twitter and TikTok as uh, SVSM underscore podcast. We're on Facebook as Soy Violentos for My Cafro Podcast. And um, yeah. Uh, Leave us your comments. Send us messages. Definitely. Um, if there's cases that you guys want to hear more about, send us recommendations. We're open to that as well because there's a yes. lot of cases out there. Yeah. And sometimes we don't know what to do. We're like, what would people want to hear? So definitely yeah. send us recommendations of what you want to hear from us. And uh, we could make it into an episode uh, in the future or in a week or two. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Yeah, definitely. We'll give shout outs as well. Yeah, we yeah. definitely. We'll give you a shout out. If, yeah. if, if you give us a case, we'll give you a shout out. We'll be like, this person recommended to us. <laughs> but thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, definitely. Also, uh, rate, review, and... Um, Leave comments on yes, our... please. Recommend us? Yeah, recommend us. Yes, please. Um, uh, on Spotify, it. on uh, Apple Apple Music, Apple Podcasts. Uh, yeah, We're so not we, making music yet. Not yet. <laughs> um, but yeah, leave us a review, a five-star review, please. And um, share your review with um, the, the platform. That helps us a lot um, with getting any sort of attention and pushes us higher up on the podcast you know spectrum um and that would help us a lot but yeah um see you guys next week or well you'll hear us next week (laughs) (laughs) yeah we'll we'll talk to you guys next week bye Bye. stay spooky